Hello, my name is Deacon Brian. Welcome to the Shepherd of the Hills Sermons Podcast. Every week we share our Sunday morning sermons with you to keep these important conversations going. We hope you not only enjoy hearing our words of God's love for you, but will also feel compelled to share these words with everyone who needs to hear this message. As always, we encourage you to keep the conversation going at home, at work, and everywhere you go. On the first Sunday of Christmas, I reflect on John the Baptist and the beginning of the Gospel of Mark, as we hear about how God's plan to turn the world upside down has begun with the meeting of Jesus and John the Baptizer. So sit back, relax, and let us dive into this week's sermon. Our Gospel today comes from Mark chapter 1, the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in the prophet Isaiah, see... I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, The one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven saying, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. And the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness for 40 days, tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild beasts, and the angels waited on him. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God and saying, the time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who were in their boat mending nets. Immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. The word of our Lord. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations in our hearts be acceptable to you, O God, our rock, our redeemer, our Emmanuel. Amen. There's probably no stranger day in the church world than this Sunday. Advent is over. Christmas Eve is over. We are squarely in the Christmas season, but all of the fanfare is over. The hams and the turkeys are eaten, or almost, if you're like my house. The gifts have been unwrapped. 
normal life has sort of returned, but also not really with the new year right around the corner. We're between years, between seasons, between just about everything. And it's kind of weird. So in the midst of all of this weirdness, I kind of love that the narrative lectionary has us reading a story about a very weird guy, John the Baptizer. Now, last Sunday, we heard all about John's birth. We heard uh, about the announcement by the angel to the priest Zechariah that Elizabeth would conceive a child and name him John, even in her very old age, uh, echoing the very beginnings of God's salvation story with Abraham and Sarah. Then later in that story of the pronunciation also came the prophecy by Zechariah that John would be the one to declare forgiveness of sins to the people and who would declare the way of the Lord. Now we turn from the Gospel of Luke into the Gospel of Mark, and the prophecy of Zechariah comes true, and the promise of God turning the world upside down as proclaimed by Mary in the birth of Jesus begins. In this first chapter of Mark, we hear a weird story of a man who voluntarily chooses the embarrassment, as it would be used in that time, of poverty and the strife of a preacher in the wilderness, away from the wealth and the power of his priestly heritage. We hear a story of a man who chooses to eat bugs and honey as his diet and wear clothes of camel's hair instead of any kind of normal life activity. Then to really drive the point home that none of this is really normal, to really let you know that this whole situation is weird, Mark brings Jesus, the Son of God, Emmanuel, the one who was born of a virgin in the stable, who broke into our world with singing angels and shepherds and sheep and magi coming from the east, this Jesus goes to this John to be baptized in the River Jordan. The upside-down weirdness of this story might feel a bit familiar, but unlike today's upside-down weirdness of all of our cultural nonsense, this story is yet another in a centuries-long line of stories about God uplifting the most lowly in society and elevating them all the way to the status of God's grace and love. And while that may not be good news for some, it is good news for all. Because by turning our world upside down, by God breaking in in the lowliest of ways and meeting the lowly, lowliest of society, God is actually setting the entire world free. God shows us how God works, and that means freedom for all, freedom from cultural expectations, freedom from every chain that keeps us bound, freedom from every empirical system of oppression, corruption, and division. Then after all of this strange story, we learn that God drives God's own self out into the wilderness to be tempted and to get a quick 40-day lesson on what it's like to be a human in our world. Now, this is the part of the story that intrigues me the most. <clears throat> Jesus is driven out into the wilderness 
by the Spirit. God drives God's self into the wilderness. And that idea strikes me. It strikes me because of how often we all are driven into the wilderness, whether as individuals with illnesses or family problems or insecurities or any other of the many, many ways we can be driven out into the wilderness, or as a culture with all of our political craziness and our apparent desire for war and the greed and inequalities that permeate through our very existence. The wilderness can be a pretty scary place to be, and I think it would feel a whole lot more comfortable if we could simply stay at the foot of the manger, kneeling next to that tiny baby, and just pretend that everything else didn't exist. Unfortunately, that's not what we are called to do, and that's not what Christmas is all about. I saw a great post on Facebook the other day uh, written by a guy named Howard Thurman, who you might know, uh, and he wrote about this uh, in a piece that he wrote called The Mood of Christmas, and he said this, when the song of the angels is stilled, when the star in the sky is gone, when the kings and princes are home, when the shepherds are back with their flock, the work of Christmas begins to find the lost, to heal the broken, to feed the hungry, to release the prisoner, to rebuild the nations, to bring peace among people, and to make music in the heart. I love that. I love that image of our collective work together. I love that sentiment that's behind it. But I will confess something to you. I'll confess that as much as I love that image, I really don't like doing any of it. I don't like it because it's hard, right? It's exhausting. It's scary, it's risky, it's vulnerable, and sometimes it can just feel downright impossible to do all of that work. Not to mention the fact that it's completely countercultural to any version of understanding of our daily existence. Christmas is truly the act of God turning the world upside down. Now, this week, we find ourselves yet again at the precipice of a new year. And this new year is slightly more special, as I'm sure you've heard many, many times, uh, because this year is the beginning of a new decade. 2020, the roaring 20s are back. As usual, we are forced to ask ourselves uh, for, the new, uh, for the new year what kind of resolutions we might want to set. Um, and now we have to look at the whole decade of, of what resolutions we might want to set for the coming decade. Now, I wonder if any of the resolutions you might be thinking about today are participating with God turning the world upside down. I have a hard time doing sermons right now without bringing politics in. As much as I try to not bring politics in, it's really hard to ignore. And we're once again now staring down another one of those big defining moments in the history of our country. And I wonder how we might work 
to turn the world upside down as primary season is upon us and as election season is right around the corner. I wonder who we might throw our support behind and how we might participate in all of our systems that will turn the world upside down so that the lowliest will be elevated, so that God's word of grace and love will be made incarnate, will be made manifest, deeply embodied in you and in me and in every single one of our neighbors. So this morning, as we think about John, as we think about being baptized, as we think about our story, I want us to do two things. First, I want us to take some time and to reflect on the past year and the past decade. Let us reflect on where we saw God and and, and who came alongside of us in our journey of life and faith. I want us to deeply give thanks for all of the blessings and to grieve our laments. I want us to know both our gratitude and our laments because the second thing that I want us to do at the end of this year and at the beginning of a new decade is to discern how to build on those gratitudes and how to learn how God is turning your limitations upside down as God turns the whole world upside down. Because God is doing it for you. And God is doing it for the whole world. And all of our stories over the past couple weeks, it's all upside down. John was born in an upside down way, born to an elderly couple, an elderly barren couple. Jesus was born in an upside down way to a virgin and in a manger surrounded by animals. Now John lives in an upside down way, self-cast out from society, eating bugs and honey and wearing strange clothing. And now Jesus enters into our story and Jesus exists in an upside down way and is doing it right from the beginning by going to John to be baptized and not the other way around. And by being driven into the wilderness by his own divine self. God turning the world upside down may not be good news to some right now, but the way that God exists, the way that God moves, the way that God works is good news for all because by living in this upside down way and by calling us to be upside down with God, God frees the world to live holy and rightly. God does everything in an upside down way because that's the only way that freedom of creation can come about. It's certainly not by our own doing. This is what the wilderness is all about, learning what is upside down and and right side up and and how God is is doing all of that in our lives. And ultimately, as Jesus has showed us, this is what our baptism is all about. And this is what Christmas is all about. So today I ask you to reflect on God has on how God has turned your world upside down and to discern how God is calling you to participate in the work of turning the whole world upside down for the freedom, for the health, for the wholeness of all. Amen. Thanks for stopping by and listening to the Shepherd of the Hills Sermons podcast. For more information about Shepherd of the Hills, please check out sothchurch.com or find us on Facebook. 
feel free to share this sermon and be sure to follow us on social media and wherever you find your podcast. Go in peace, serve the Lord.